This country started a war. The enemy, illegal drugs. And the war is still going on. For ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. The Zika virus, now more than 30 cases detected here in the U.S. Flint, Michigan, and how its drinking water ended up contaminated with toxic amounts of lead. Everything's a lie. It's all a big lie. What's up, everybody? My name is Tanner, and welcome back to another episode of 1980 Now, a podcast for truth seekers and free thinkers. I hope that over the last couple of months, you've all been happy, healthy, and thriving, because I know I have been. And let me tell you, I am so excited to be back. Of course, I have to say that if you enjoy this podcast, and if it brings value to your life, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. And feel free to follow me on Instagram at 1980nowpodcast to see interesting pictures, clips, and life updates about the show. Another way that you can support me is by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews help the show analytically and with the algorithm so that I get recognized by more potential listeners. As most of you know, I took a break from the show to focus on priorities in my life, including some family stuff, but I really did miss creating content for you guys, so I'm so glad to be back. And to everyone that sends me links and other information on Instagram, I really do appreciate that. If my response ever seems short or delayed, um, don't be offended. I just get kind of a lot of correspondence, but I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. Um, anyways, thanks again for sticking with me, even though I was absent for a couple of months, just had to take care of some things. By the way, my band is about to put out another release, should be coming out January, Friday, January 22nd. It's going to be a three song EP entitled Propaganda War. And again, the uh, band name is Double Crossed. So if you're a fan of hardcore punk, heavy metal, aggressive music, check it out, the uh, it's a a concept release. It's It has a theme, and it's all, of course, based on everything that happened in 2020 with, you know, uh, the lockdowns and the face masks and all that kind of stuff. So if you're a fan of this podcast and you like heavy music, I know for a fact that you're going to dig this release. So um, anyways... Uh, today's episode is one that I am so excited to do because when you're on your truth journey, a lot of times there are things that you kind of stumble upon that are interesting, right? Like, for example, the conspiracy that involves pizza. And the reason that I worded it that way is because I'm going to be more conscious of the things that I say because I don't want to get censored. <laughs> I put a lot of work into these episodes, and so it's a bummer when they get taken down. And I've only had that happen once, but I don't want it to happen again. Um, but anyway, again, you know, certain conspiracies that you, you come across and you dig into and they're super interesting, and they might um, change your perspective a little bit, but then there are those things that you come across that are more like revelations, right? And it completely shifts your entire paradigm. Like, for example, Flat Earth. You know, it just completely changes your worldview, how you see things. Well, guys, what we are going to be talking about today is definitely one of those things. I have been doing so much research 
on this topic, and man, I have come to the conclusion that we have been lied to on a massive level about this particular subject. (laughs) It's something that I never thought that I would be interested in, but these past couple of months have been, you know, as I've been taking a break, I've been doing a ton of research, and I've been going down um, a ton of rabbit holes, and it has just been a whirlwind. So I'm just really excited to be sharing this with all of you. This is going to be an episode that you're going to really want to pay attention to. So I recommend, just because there's a lot of information, I'm going to be covering a lot. And um, so I recommend that you save it for uh, a time that you won't be distracted. Maybe if you are on a long drive or doing chores or laying in bed, something along those lines. Because again, I'm going to be covering a lot and I want you to have the opportunity to absorb all of it because it took me... Um, months to before this actually clicked it took months for me to fully grasp this concept and it's actually really simple but um, for some reason I had to just really dig into this to understand it Um, so you're going to want to uh, buckle up because this is going to be a wild ride and I want to make it clear of course that I'm not trying to give out medical advice okay I'm not a doctor I'm not a virologist. This is for entertainment purposes. I have to put that disclaimer out there. Some people might actually say that this is dangerous misinformation. And I do understand where they're coming from. But here's the thing. I think that you guys are smart enough to handle dissenting opinions and dissenting information. And I think that you have discernment, whereas some people... Uh, might not think so, but I def- definitely disagree. I think that the idea of, you know, dangerous information is just kind of silly. I believe in free speech, and so you have the right to um, hear different opinions and different information and decide for yourself. I believe that you guys are fully capable of doing that. So not trying to patronize you. I'm just trying to say that I think that this community is made up of smart intelligent and intellectual people who can decide for themselves based on the information. So anyways, I'm going to go ahead and get into it. Today, we are going to be talking about germ theory versus terrain theory. Now, that might sound a little bit underwhelming because you listen to this podcast for the more scandalous things, right? For the darker stuff. I get that. But I promise If you give this topic a chance, guys, it's going to blow your mind. And like I said before, it might even offend some people because it's a challenging topic and it um, completely flies in the face of everything that we have been taught. But I think that if anything good has come from this past year of just absolute insanity, you know, being 2020, it has been that it has brought this debate of germ theory versus terrain theory back into the public consciousness because it was something that had been, this debate had been kind of buried by money and certain special interests. So um, again, it's just one of those things that I probably would have never looked into if it wasn't for everything that happened over the year 2020. 
So um, this episode is going to be an introduction into this idea, into this debate. And I think that it will also help to arm you with the facts and information that you will need to navigate this coming future, right? 2021 and, and so on. And in my opinion, that is the most important reason to listen to this, okay? I am simply offering another side of the story, a lost chapter of history that is in some ways, in my opinion, kept hidden from us. I mean, I think it's clear that it is. It's not my opinion. But um, there are those that might say it's my opinion. Um, Anyways, you know, as we grow up in the public education system, there are a lot of mainstream scientific things that we learn and accept as fact without ever questioning them, right? You know, as a lot of you are aware, for me, one of those things was the globe. Well, because they come from an authority figure, such as a teacher, and because they seem to make logical sense when you're young, it becomes difficult to question those things as you get older, right? They become a part of who you are. And one of those things, for me at least, is that germs cause disease, right? It's what Everyone learns about growing up in school. We learn that germs cause disease, germs cause sickness, and that we should avoid them if we want to stay healthy. It's called the germ theory of disease. Um, The most famous advocate for this theory is Louis Pasteur, who was a scientist in the 1800s that, again, we all learn about him in school. You're probably familiar with um, the uh, concept of pasteurized milk, right? Uh, the root word of pasteurize is pastor. That's where um, that comes from. Now, um, it turns out that Louis Pasteur actually plagiarized someone else's work, but uh, we will get more into that in the future. Probably not on this episode, but in the future episode we will. So germ theory is the currently accepted model of how disease works, and it's something that is so a part of how we think that Again, it almost seems ridiculous to question it, right? Um, For an official definition of germ theory, here's an excerpt from the Wikipedia entry. Quote, The germ theory of disease is the currently accepted scientific theory for many diseases. It states that microorganisms, known as pathogens or germs, can lead to disease. These small organisms, too small to see without magnification, invade humans, other animals, and other living hosts. Their growth and reproduction within their hosts can cause disease. The word germ may refer to not just a bacterium, but to any type of microorganism such as protists or fungi, or even non-living pathogens that can cause disease such as viruses, prions, or viroids. Diseases caused by pathogens are called infectious diseases. Even when a pathogen is the principal cause of disease, environmental and hereditary factors often influence the severity of the disease and whether a potential host individual becomes infected when exposed to the pathogen. End quote. Now, again, that is the mainstream accepted scientific model for how disease works. So it seems to make sense, right? I mean, it seems to make sense that 
little microscopic germs or pathogens get into our bodies. They, you know, <clears throat> attack our immune system and win, and then we get sick. We start to get symptoms, so then we go to the doctor. The doctor prescribes us medicine to treat the symptoms. We go pick it up at the pharmacy, and then eventually we get well again, right? But what if that model, hear me out, guys. What if that model of how disease works is wrong? What if there had been a long-standing debate, okay, in the scientific community about whether or not the germ theory of disease was correct, but we never really learned about it? What if the germ theory won the scientific war of ideas, not on the foundation of scientific truth, but instead on the foundation of money and fraud and deception and special interests? I mean, money um, wins wars, right? Dr. M.L. Leverson said, Quote, the entire fabric of germ theory of disease rests upon assumptions which not only have uh, not been proved, but which are incapable of proof, and many of them can be proved to be the reverse of truth. So what if there's another model of how disease works, but we never learned about it? <laughs> that alternative model is what I wanted to share with you guys because it has just really um, blown my mind because it just makes so much sense. But I, I need to stop poisoning the well and let you guys decide for yourself. It's called the terrain theory of disease. Okay? The terrain theory of disease. Now, I was going to provide a Wikipedia excerpt of the official definition of terrain theory, but when I googled terrain theory of disease, what I got from Wikipedia was not an entry about the theory, but instead an entry titled germ theory denialism. Well, Wikipedia, as we all know, is kind of the um, unofficial dictionary slash thesaurus of the internet. So you can really see that bias, right? For the first, um, the first entry on Google to be germ theory denialism instead of a uh, you know an unbiased, fair Wikipedia entry for terrain theory. And like we have talked about so many times on this podcast, if something is ridiculous or untrue, like they say flat earth is, for example, it should be so obvious and it shouldn't need, you know, it should be so obvious that it's ridiculous that it shouldn't need censorship. And then also what's so dangerous about it if it's so ridiculous? So you have to ask, why censor terrain theory? I mean, um, you know, if you, if you Google terrain theory, instead of getting any actual, uh, I mean, there, there are articles that you can find on it that are that are promoting the concept, but the majority of stuff that you're going to get is from mainstream scientific sources, and um, it's just the same old um, same old game that we've seen so many times before. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm going to give you guys the best definition of terrain theory that I can come up with, based on all of the research and information 
that I have gathered. And I'm sure that I could find an official definition out there. It should not be difficult, but I think I came up with a pretty good definition. In the terrain theory of disease, germs and pathogens and microorganisms do not cause disease or diseased tissue, but instead are the result of disease or diseased tissue. I'm going to say that again. In the terrain theory of disease, germs and pathogens and microorganisms do not cause disease or diseased tissue, but instead are the result of disease or diseased tissue. So the terrain in this theory, in this sense, the terrain is your body, your blood, your tissues, your cells, could even be your environment. Or the environment can heavily influence the health of your terrain. In the terrain theory of disease, an unhealthy or toxic terrain is what causes disease. And there are really basically only a few factors that can make a person sick. Okay? Those factors are the buildup of toxins in the body or nutritional deficiency, uh, sorry, deficiencies, nutritional deficiencies from a bad diet could be stress or fear or other emotional deficiencies. It could be inflammation or a scenario in which the person has a confounding of several or all of those factors. And of course, those are usually the sickest people, right? So in the terrain theory of disease, you don't catch diseases. You build them. Okay? Let's say that one more time. In the terrain theory, you don't catch diseases. You don't catch a sickness. You don't catch a virus. You build the disease. Antoine Bachamp, who was a heavy-hitting contemporary of Louis Pasteur, and one of the biggest advocates for this terrain theory that I'm talking about, said that, quote, germs seek their natural habitat, which is diseased tissue, rather than being the cause of the diseased tissue. Doctors should treat the patient, not the infection. I just think that is so interesting. I mean, it's something that I never really considered. And guys, sorry if you hear my wife in the background. She is on a Zoom meeting in another room, and she is very loud. Love her to death, but she is very loud. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, you know, so much of this stuff has just been kind of covered up by money and special interests. And so it's a, it's a side of the coin that we were never really presented with. And um, the waters have been so muddied because of all of the misinformation. And for example, like when you Google Antoine Bachamp versus Louis Pasteur, what you will find is a lot of articles um, that criticize Bachamp and his terrain theory and praise and promote Louis Pasteur. And they call Bachamp um, a crank and a quack. And they say that he was objectively wrong. But what people don't know is that Remember earlier, I don't know if you guys remember me mentioning that 
Louis Pasteur actually plagiarized someone else's work? Well, that person's work that he plagiarized was Antoine Bechamp's early research, okay? And so um, not only that, I mean, his germ theory of disease was based on plagiarized work. Not only that, but on his deathbed, his dying words were, the microbe is nothing, the terrain is everything. He literally admitted on his deathbed that he had been wrong about the germ theory of disease and that actually the terrain, keeping the, a healthy terrain, is what's important. But you won't see uh, you know, mainstream science plastering that anywhere. So you can see a very clear bias just from that alone. So if you're having a little bit of trouble grasping what I'm saying, because I know it's um, kind of a lot, I'm going to break it down for you guys with an analogy, okay? Consider you are walking through a forest and you come across the rotting corpse of a deer. You see that it's covered in larvae and flies. You would never say, oh man, those larvae and flies killed another deer, right? The larvae flies and the microorganisms that are breaking that deer carcass down are part of the forest natural cleanup system. It's all a part of the circle of life. In the same way that the vulture comes for the roadkill, our germs that are already in our body, bacteria that are in our body, and viruses, which aren't alive, but we're going to talk about that um, in a little bit, the germs, bacteria, and viruses come for the diseased terrain, okay? They come to clean up the diseased tissue. And when they do, you experience symptoms. Why? Because your body is detoxing. That's what's happening whenever you get sick, when you get a flu. Your body is actually going through a very natural detox process. You didn't catch the flu. Your body has built up so much toxicity that it is now detoxing. Does that make sense? See, your body, or in this sense, your terrain, can only tolerate so much toxicity. So again, in the same way that the forest has its natural cleaning system, God gave your body an amazing way to clean itself up. It's the dead and dying tissue in your body that attracts the cleanup crew in the form of germs and bacteria, okay? And it's perfectly normal and healthy to get a cold or flu expression once in a while because it gives your body the opportunity to shed the toxins that you have built up in yourself from whether it's processed junk foods, pesticides on your food, bad air, bad water, pollutants, heavy metals, any of that kind of stuff, any environmental toxins that you're exposed to in your everyday life could be, again, confounding factors of all those things coming together, and then you get really sick. And then you will see this detox manifest in yourself, right? It could be you have a runny nose, or you might cough up mucus, or vomit, or have diarrhea, right? This is your body purging itself of the toxins. You might have a fever and sweat a lot, so your body's in a state of excretion. You're excreting toxins through your sweat. These are all ways that your body, again, is purging itself of the bad stuff. 
And that's why you feel like crap during this process because toxic waste, guys, is literally coming out of your system. So yeah, you're going to feel like hell. <laughs> Another thing that happens when you're sick, especially with the flu, is you have a loss of appetite. And that makes total sense if your body is detoxing. Your body is saying, please don't put any more crap into me until I'm done healing. And when you think about it, they call it flu season for a reason, right? I mean, how does the flu virus know when to be in season? It makes more sense that most people live in a certain way because of cultural practices and environmental pollutants. And so around the same time each year, go through a similar cleaning process. And it's pretty common knowledge that there are more cases of the flu in the wintertime than in the summertime. And that's most likely because um, in the wintertime, people tend to be indoors more and they're not getting that vitamin D that um, helps with the helps strengthen the immune system. And so their body is going to have less um, resources to deal with that, natu- that, that toxicity. So you're going to... Um, it's going to be more common to experience a flu in the, the winter time of the year. So um, also, as humanity moves you know, further away from natural living, right, and into this modern-day toxic living with all of our you know, plastics and heavy metals and um, you know, a fear and all kinds of stuff from social media and... Uh, just our processed junk foods and everything that comes along with modern-day toxic living, it's no wonder that especially people in the West, Americans, you know, were sicker than ever. But see, one of the many flaws in Western medicine is that doctors treat the symptoms instead of the cause. So... Your doctor might prescribe you a drug or an antibiotic that actually halts that cleanup process, right, that we talked about, and prolongs the illness, making your immune system weaker in the long run. And remember, fear and stress can cause disease. So again, like we talked about, look at what is shoved down the throats of so many people these days on TV and in the media. There's a You can actually become sick, your mind can actually trick your body into becoming sick. It's called a psychosomatic illness. And all you got to do is just watch the mainstream media all the time and be programmed by the fear. Literally, your your body can trick yourself into thinking that it's sick. Okay, I'm going to give you guys another analogy. I really like this one. This is an analogy um, by Dr. Lorraine Day. She said, imagine that you live in a big populated city And the garbage collectors have gone on strike. You haven't had your garbage picked up in three weeks. So you have bags and bags of trash piling up in your apartment. So then naturally, you begin to collect rats, flies, and other vermin who are going to feed on the rotting garbage. See, if we didn't have animals like that, or like the vultures that eat the roadkill, or like the the larvae and the microorganisms that break down the deer corpse in the forest, right? The world would be overrun with all sorts of carcasses and garbage. That is how our bodies work, and it's so mind-blowing. It's really so amazing uh, to think about how much logical sense this makes, you know, when you really consider it. Our bodies 
are composed of approximately 30 trillion cells, okay? All of those cells are host to at least the same number of different germs or bacteria. See, we have a symbiotic relationship with them. It's called our microbiome, and you have to have it to survive, right? So in that sense, the germ theory of disease isn't even logical. I mean, some would say that we are actually more bacteria than we are human because our body is made up of so, so much germs and bacteria. Now, I will say this, it is not unreasonable to think that maybe something infectious spreads whenever you see cl um, clusters of people get sick or an entire household get sick, right? That way of thinking, which, of course, it's based on observation because you can literally see it happen, that, that kind of thinking has been around for thousands of years, and that's kind of what helped, um, uh, that's kind of what helped create the germ theory of disease. But it's unscientific to assume that an infectious germ or virus must be the cause when that happens. Let me give you an ex a historical example to consider. Okay, scurvy at one time was extremely common in sailors and pirates, right? Scurvy seemed to be a contagious disease because sailors, one after another, were getting sick. So they tried quarantining them and taking those kinds of measures until finally one of the sailors or pirates or whoever it was ate a lemon or a lime or some kind of citrus fruit and voila, the scurvy went away. And we know now that scurvy is caused by severe vitamin C deficiency. But see, they didn't know that. They assumed that something infectious was spreading. But these sailors weren't eating healthy diets while out at sea. They were eating a lot of meat and a lot of bread. They, weren't, um, they had extremely unhealthy terrains, right? So, again, it was reasonable to assume that the scurvy must have been infectious when in reality... These guys were just super unhealthy. They had a toxic terrain. They had a, a, a nutritional deficiency, and that's what caused the sickness. It looked like they were all getting sick from something that was spreading, but they really weren't. So another thing that, you know, that we can theorize about, and some people would say this isn't theory, it's possible that our immune systems can speak to each other in our community or in our tribe. So that it's not an infectious disease that's spreading, but instead one person's body is telling another person's body in the tribe or the community, hey, I'm detoxing right now, you should too. And before you scoff at that or laugh at that and you know call it outrageous, consider the menstrual cycle. When a group of women spend an extended amount of time together, their menstrual cycles, as we all know, can actually synchronize. So it's completely rational to say that, hey, maybe our immune systems can do the same thing. And from a survival standpoint, it might even be advantageous because the tribe could get the detoxing over with communally and get it out of the way. Okay, so not only that, but then also toxins and pollutants can be location-specific, right? Right? Again, when we're talking about the context of 
observing groups or clusters of people all getting sick at the same time, um, the toxins and pollutants that cause the disease, that cause the buildup of toxicity in these people's bodies, can be location-specific, whether it's bad water, bad air, bad food supply, um, you know, any of those things. Either way, the point I want to make is that it's fallacious to assume that when a cluster of people get sick, an infectious germ or virus must be the culprit. Okay? Not to mention, sometimes one person in a household can get the flu while another person in the household doesn't. You know, context is key. And this is probably TMI, but I have been sick with the flu and it didn't stop my wife from, you know, kissing me and that kind of stuff and vice versa. And there has been times, well, any time that I have ever had the flu, my wife didn't get it. And any time that she has had it, I didn't get it, you know, and we're sleeping in the same bed, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, again, it's interesting to think about. Now, we are going to talk more about viruses and the true nature of viruses in uh, the next episode, but I want to share a couple of interesting things with you guys, okay? Viruses, and you will find this in, even in your mainstream science books, you can Google it, okay? Viruses are not actually alive in the way that germs or bacteria are. They don't eat, they don't excrete, they don't have an interest in reproduction. Um, they, they, without cells, they can't even replicate, okay? So this idea that a virus can spread person to person doesn't even make any kind of logical sense. And I'm going to censor myself here um, because this could get, you know, this particular thing that I want to say could uh, get me censored. So what I want to say is that you cannot catch, you cannot quote-unquote catch a V-word, okay? You guys know what I mean by the V-word. And it definitely cannot, okay, if you can't catch it from another human, you definitely, it cannot spread from animal to human like we have seen in the mainstream narrative of the Barona virus. <laughs> Again, censoring myself. Um, you see, your body creates viruses Again, to help rid the terrain of toxicity. Technically speaking, this is a very, don't, I mean, don't look at this too literally, but technically a virus is a solvent or a soap. It goes, it, your body creates it, it goes in and it um, literally cleans out the toxicity in your body. So as I said before, a flu virus expression is the body's way or one of the body's ways of cleaning itself. Now, as we all have observed, sometimes older people or immunocompromised people will die from a flu expression. But it's not because they, again, caught the flu. It's because their weakened immune systems, whether from old age or pharmaceutical drugs, are not strong enough to tolerate that cleaning process because you know that detoxing process is aggressive so young healthy strong people can tolerate it but some people uh are just too weak to tolerate it and then also i mean every now and then occasionally we we do see instances of people who seem to be young and healthy um die from the flu i mean it's rare but we do see it but 
We don't have their personal health profiles. We don't know if they appeared to be healthy on the outside, but something was going on. I mean, cancer, guys, is so common. We don't know what was going on, you know, on the inside. Um, and then also, I think that especially when it comes to older people and immunocompromised people, they tend to be the ones that gravitate the, the most towards getting poison shots. I can't say the actual V word, but poison shots. And those poison shots actually, I mean, those poison shots actually inject a created virus, a created V word, I should say, into the body. And see, that's the only way that you can actually catch a V word is if it is injected into you. Okay, hopefully that makes sense. And, I, and of course, the implications of what I'm saying are huge, right? I'm making a lot of huge claims here. But um, what I want to, to get at is that not only is this agenda this that is being forced upon us, everything that happened in 2020, not only is it, as I have said before, not real, but guys, it's not even possible. The whole narrative is not even possible. I mean, granted that there is any... Um, any credibility to terrain theory, which I believe that there is. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk more about that, of course, in the future as well. But I wanted to read this quote for you guys. Um, this is by uh, a medical doctor named E.W. Cordingly. He said, medical doctors are working on the germ theory of disease. But the germ theory is already weakening and is due for being thrown aside. Dr. Fraser of Canada and Dr. Powell of California have experimented with billions of germs of all varieties, but they have been unable to produce a single disease by the introduction of germs into human subjects. Dr. Waite tried for years to prove the germ theory, but he could not do so. During the World War, an experiment was conducted at Gallup's Island, Massachusetts, in which millions of influenza germs were injected into over 100 men at the government hospital, and none of them got the flu. Germs are scavengers. And that experiment that I just said in that quote that I just talked about, we're going to talk about that in the future as well. But yeah, literally, there was, a, there was an experiment where they had 100 volunteers, and I think that they were prisoners. Um, and if they volunteered for this experiment, they had like, they were able to get out of prison early or had like a lesser sentence or some kind of, there was some kind of advantage to it, special privileges, but they literally had the germs, the mucus from, uh, Spanish flu patients injected into their mouth, their nostrils, their ears, sprayed in their eyes. None of them out of all hundred volunteers, none of them got the flu. So you have to question, when you, when you see an experiment like that, you have to question this narrative. And then you have to understand, guys, the financial incentive behind this deception because it always comes down to money and power. And again, we're going to get into this in the future as well, but um, Western medicine was heavily influenced and funded um, by billionaire dynasties like the Rockefellers in particular, but also uh, Morgan, J.P. Morgan, and um, others. And you have to wonder, you know, what are, are do these 
are these guys just, you know, by their, um, the goodness of their heart interested in helping people or was there a financial incentive for them? Right. Because I mean, for hundreds of years, at least in the West in America, people used, um, natural remedies to heal and to cure disease. And these were natural remedies that they brought over from Europe, but also learned from the native Americans. And then John D Rockefeller comes along and basically demonizes natural cures and natural healing and homeopathic healing and promotes uh, this new allopathic aggressive kind of healing. And again, I know I keep saying this, but we're going to get more into that in the future, just not on this episode. But the reason that I mention that is because when you think about it, this entire the entire theory, the, the, uh, the germ theory model is what helped create today's big pharma, right? They, they need, big pharma needs the germ theory to be accepted and to exist. It's the entire premise, right, of getting their poison shots and taking their pharmaceuticals and their drugs. Instead of natural herbal healing, right, you need petroleum-based drugs and pharmaceuticals. See, in the germ theory of disease, your body doesn't possess the mechanisms to heal itself, but instead... Big Pharma does, right? Um, you, you know, you, you need their pills and their drugs and their shots in order to be healthy. So in my opinion, it's very clear to me that where there is monetary gain and power to be had, you can always count on deception. I mean, we've talked about it time and time again. Now, I know that a lot of you who have been listening to this probably have a ton of questions and a lot of yeah buts and whatabouts. But I promise you we are going to cover all, or if not all, most of your questions in future episodes. This is something that I'm going to revisit time and time again because I think it is so fascinating. But for now, as we wrap it up, I want to leave you guys with this quote. Um, And I I already mentioned this quote before, but I, I want to put it back on your brain again. Okay, this was the dying words of Louis Pasteur. He said, the microbe is nothing the terrain is everything. I think that's so important to to consider in the wake of everything, this awakening that is happening, this revolution that is happening. Um, guys, if we want to be examples of health in this revolution, we have to make strides towards strengthening the terrain, strengthening our bodies. This is why I advocate for incorporating more, you know, plant-based foods, particularly organic plant-based foods into your diets, right? Fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, legumes, um, herbs and spices, all this, all of those things, th- those are the, the foods of life, right? But there's more to it than just that. There's more that you can do. So I want you to ask yourself these questions, okay? Are you getting enough sunlight? What about the water that you're drinking? Okay, a lot of health food stores sell reverse osmosis water for 25 cents a gallon. A lot of people are drinking distilled water too and claiming health benefits. Heard? I don't know if any of you guys have heard about that. What about the air in your house? Is it dusty? Have you checked for mold? What about chemicals in your toothpaste, your shampoo, your body wash, your deodorant? Are you drinking a lot of alcohol or eating a lot of junk food? 
Are you getting proper sleep every night? Do you have a proper circadian rhythm? What about your breathing? Are you taking time occasionally to pray or meditate? And this is really important. Do you exercise every day or at least a few times a week? And do you sweat? Right, Sweating is a great way to purge toxins from our bodies. I'm sure everyone is familiar with um, seeing someone who is morbidly obese. You'll notice that a lot of times they sweat all the time. And it's partially because they are carrying extra weight, so they're, they're hot. But also, their body is constantly in a state of excretion. It's constantly trying, because their, their toxic diet has, is what has made them morbidly obese, right? Their toxic lifestyle, so their body is constantly trying to excrete and rid itself of those toxins. Um, another question, are you constantly consuming fear programming through TV and social media? There are so many things that we can do as a community to be shining examples of human health. And I just think it would be really cool if those of us who are questioning this narrative were more than just people who are questioning the narrative, but instead people that had solutions, right? Let's encourage each other. Let's do more research into this stuff. Let's find out how to actually be healthy because that is the conversation of the day, right? That is the topic of the day. So let's encourage each other. All right, that's it for this episode. But before we go, I have a five-star review from a listener that I would love to read. And guys, again, I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but I really appreciate five-star reviews. I love to know what you're thinking, um, what you like about the show. Hey, maybe even what you don't like about it, what I could change, what I could fix. I'm open to it. I want to hear it. This one is from Zombie Snoop. He says, ladles of gravy. He he gave me a five-star. He said, great show. Tanner is very well articulated and smooth with how he delivers the information. Man, I really appreciate that. Um, Zombie Snoop is a guy who has uh, reached out to me several times on Instagram and uh, just seems like a really cool guy. So, man, thank you so much for that. All right, listeners, if you made it this far, thank you so much for sticking with me. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow me on Instagram at 1980nowpodcast. That's 1980 and then an underscore podcast. And if you really, really like the podcast, you can support me by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and maybe I'll read it on the show. I probably will. I mean, there's no reason I wouldn't, right? As usual, another really cool episode will be dropping a week from now, so be sure to stay tuned. All right, guys, y'all already know. I'll see you next time. Stay free. Stay free.